Grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll uh, take some time to listen to the Lord this morning. And I trust that's what you came for. And we'll pray together and ask God to speak to our hearts from His Word and just bless our fellowship and uh, as only He can. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read a few verses beginning in verse 39. Matthew 5, verse 39, once you've found your place, would you stand with us for the reading of God's Word? And we'll have prayer and begin reading right there in verse 39. So let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for the privilege to be gathered together once again. Lord, it's so encouraging each week just to come for Christian fellowship, to gather amongst friends. Lord, to open and, and read your word, to be encouraged, to be strengthened in our faith. And we thank you for the privilege of doing that, Lord, in a free country, in a free land. And we just ask you to uh, use this time that we have to work in our lives and our hearts. We pray, Lord, you'd bless the reading of your word today. And most importantly, we pray you'd speak to our hearts from your word. Show us today what you'd have us do. Inspire us today, encourage us, challenge us even. And uh, Lord, help us to know what to do, how to serve you better, how to be faithful, grow in our Christian lives. And we'll thank you for all you do in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, verse 39, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee. And from him, or excuse me, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. And hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, I want to call your attention back, if I may, to verse 41. And I think this kind of brings the whole text into focus because this is a familiar verse and we can relate well to it. Jesus said there, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And I want to preach on that thought this morning and show how all that ties together. A message entitled, Going the Second Mile. Going the Second Mile. Thank you. You may be seated. Maybe you heard it said, Going the Extra Mile. It comes from this thought. This is a challenging passage of Scripture, and it's one that really is hard to bear. We, this, this truth, this teaching, certainly goes against the grain of our nature. Our human flesh, our, our human nature doesn't like this. 
We want to love those who love us and we want to hate those that hate us. Because we want to, we want to, you know, we want to pay back those that have wronged us and hurt us. But the Lord Jesus is teaching us something opposite of how we would normally feel. This is one of those messages where our Christianity, our faith is kind of being called to a higher level, if you will. And the Lord is certainly going to do that here. As he gives a discipleship principle, the principle of the second mile. It's really amazing thought. Now, Jesus was teaching us a great principle here, and he was actually in verse 41, he was addressing something that would have been difficult for, for Israel, for Jews in this day, because they were in the days of Roman occupation. And, it's, and here Jesus is teaching this principle of going the extra mile. In this lesson, he uses some harsh circumstances to illustrate to us his desire for us to go the second mile. If we're to endeavor to do this and go that extra mile in these harshest of circumstances, how much more should we endeavor to go the second mile for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm going to take what verse 41 teaches, and then I want to spring forward from there. So what I want us to think about is as far as a textual note here. Verse 41, Jesus was touching on something that he didn't have to explain. They all knew this to be true. At this time, they were under Roman occupation, so the Romans ruled them. They ruled Israel. They ruled over the Jews. The Romans were in authority. And at any given time, if you encountered a Roman soldier, by law, that soldier could make you carry his gear for one mile. And it didn't matter if you were going in that direction or not. He could compel you or force you to carry his load, his gear, whatever it is he was trying to transport from one place to another, and you were obligated to do that for one mile. Now, the Jews hated the Romans for that. They despised carrying that load, and they hated the idea that the Romans could force them to do it. I'm sure many Jews avoided the soldiers just because of things like this. They didn't want to be in a situation where they would be compelled to do that, and so they would just kind of keep their distance. And instead of Jesus condemning the Romans for exercising that authority over them, Jesus called his people and said, don't just go the one mile, but go two. And I'm sure those who were hearing this said, what? Two? Hey, the one was choking them. And he said, go two? Give them two miles? Man, are you, are you feeling okay? Oh, absolutely. The Lord knew exactly what he was calling them to do. This is the principle of the extra mile. And so what we see here is that there are those that have gone the second mile for Rome. There are those that, they borne that, that burden. They carried that load. But I wonder, I wonder this morning, who would be willing to go a second mile, not for Rome, but for Jesus? Who would be willing to be a second mile Christian? You know, it's one thing to be compelled by the Romans to go a, a mile, and, and then Jesus saying, hey, go to if a soldier compels you, 
give him this second mile. And what an impact that would have made on a soldier who knew that this was completely voluntary on your part. Now to go a second mile when he only can make you go one. Jesus knew what kind of an impact that would have on them. And, you know, we should be mindful of our influence on this world because God has called us to win the world to him. God has called us to be salt and light to the world. And I want to talk about being a second mile Christian today, but I don't really want to talk about going the second mile for the world, for Rome, as much as I want to talk about going the second mile for Jesus. When Jesus was saying go in the second mile, he, he actually was, was saying do it even for Rome. But this morning, I want to challenge you to think about why we do that. Why would we go the second mile? It's not for that soldier. If we did it, if we carried his, his baggage, his burden for, for a second mile, we wouldn't actually be doing it for him. We'd be doing it for the Lord. And so, if that's true, then I wonder this morning how many of us would carry the Lord's burden? Not just one mile, but two. Would we carry something for Jesus? The way Simon was compelled to carry his cross? Would you and I, as followers of the Lord, would we give Jesus a second mile? Hey, that's the question this morning. That's what I want us to think about. There are some people in the Bible, I believe, who, who did well at going the second mile. And by the way, let me say that all of these verses illustrate that second mile. In verse 39, he said, you know, the, the, the man who smites you on the cheek, he said, turn to him the other also. What's he saying? Go the second mile. In, in verse 40, he says, if a man will see thee at the law and take away thy coat, give him thy cloak also. What is he saying? Go the second mile. In verse 41, he actually says, go with him twain. In verse 42, give of him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. He's saying, go the second mile. He's saying, you've heard that it had been said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for them which despitefully use you. What's he saying? Go the second mile. Now, for Jesus' sake, if we would go the second mile in all of these instances, for everybody else, could we not go a second mile for Jesus? I believe some people in the scriptures illustrate this well. How about the Good Samaritan? He's an example of the second mile Christian. You see, he went the first mile when he picked up the man who was left for dead on the side of the road. But I believe he went the second mile when he took responsibility for his recovery and he paid for his healing. Of course, the Lord Jesus himself lived the second mile principle. He went the first mile when he left heaven's glory and came down to be born among us. But he went the second mile when he walked Calvary's hill and hung there on Golgotha when he bled and died and rose again for us. How about Joseph in the Old Testament? He was a second mile Christian who went the first mile when he obeyed his father, to, went to check on his brethren, and was sold into slavery. But he went the second mile when in Egypt he recognized and fed his brothers and their families, forgiving them of all that they had done when they conspired to kill him. How about Abraham? He was a second mile Christian who went the first mile 
when he followed the Lord out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he left his family and his home and all that was familiar. But he went the second mile when he laid his son Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. How about Moses? Moses went the first mile when he forsook the pleasures of Egypt to, to experience affliction with the children of God. But Moses went the second mile when he stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. How about Joshua? Joshua went the first mile when he served as a minister by the side of Moses, the man of God. But Joshua went the second mile when that position became available and Joshua stepped up as Israel's next leader and he took Israel into the promised land. Can you imagine the big shoes he had to fill? How about Paul? Paul went the first mile when he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do on the Damascus road? But he went the second mile later when he said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and be found in him. Oh, Paul sought the Lord and to be used of God in his life. And you know, these are pictures of what we need today. We need some second mile Christians in our world today. We live in a dark world. We live in a, a world that, that is uh, really gone wacky crazy. I mean, things are upside down. And we're seeing things we never thought we would see in our lifetime. We're hearing things we never thought we would hear. Things that don't make any sense. It seems like the world doesn't make any sense. But that's what happens when we forsake the truth. That's what happens when we leave the Word of God. Error has no boundaries, and, and we're feeling the effects of our world slipping off into sin. Hey, the world needs some second-mile Christians in this day and time. Some people who will really give their all to make a difference. Just as these we've mentioned a moment ago and the others that are recorded for us in Scripture. So what does it mean to go the second mile? What does it mean to follow the Lord to this extent? Well, let's talk about second mile Christianity and what it might mean. And let's, uh, let's look at a few scriptures this morning. How about this? First of all, going the second mile could be defined as this, doing more than what is required. Doing more than what is required. Now, this is a big deal. Because there's a lot of people, I'm talking about Christians, well-meaning, sincere, would-be followers of Jesus. But, you know, their desire is to just do what's expected. And that's it. Going the second mile, then, would mean going beyond. Doing more than what is required. Let's look at a few scriptures. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And let's see what God's word has to say about this second mile of doing more than what's required. Deuteronomy chapter 10, look at verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. 
Verse 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for good. Look at verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Right? Because here, they were being helped to understand that at times they got a little stubborn toward the Lord concerning things they didn't want to do. So what were they being taught? Go a little beyond. Don't do just what's required. Do a little more than what's required. That's that second mile, Christian. Go to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you will, just for a moment. Let's see what Solomon has to say about the second mile, Christian. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. All right, I don't have these uh, already marked, so I'm turning with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and look at verse 13. And let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Talking about the whole duty of man, not just part of it. Do more than what's required is the idea. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In the New Testament, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Notice the Bible says in verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Faithfulness doesn't just stop at the required things. Faithful. When you're faithful, you're faithful in all things. That's how you get branded. That's how you get, that's how you get understood to be faithful. You're consistent. You're constant. How about Luke chapter 12? Notice here in Luke chapter 12, another, another passage about doing more than what is required. In Luke chapter 12, let's look at verse 48. And the Bible says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto, for unto whosoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. Again, it's the idea of going beyond what's required. People expect more from someone who knows more. Second-mile Christians are those who, who do a little bit more than what's required. Is it important to do more? Or is God pleased with us stopping at the required things? Well, I think you should search the Scriptures. I remember when I was growing up, my, my, my brother and I were enjoying a, a, a leisurely Saturday, and we were spending time doing things kids do on a Saturday morning, watching cartoons, and getting ready to play, going outside, uh, thinking about the things we were going to do out there. We lived in the country, and so it, it, was, it was nothing to grab our BB guns and run out into the woods and use our imagination. Uh, man, sometimes we fought battles and did all kind of things out there. And we were looking forward to a busy day doing fun stuff, things that boys do. 
And I remember dad coming in saying, hey, guys, I need your help. Okay. So he said, come with me. We went with him. He showed us what he wanted us to do, and we did it. We took care of that. Boom. And then we were back working on our plans, ready to get out and go win the battle, you know. And we were getting excited about what we were going to do. And he came back a few minutes later. Where are you all at? Well, we're, we're over here. What are you all doing? Well, we're getting ready to play. We, look, we, we did what you asked us to do. And he said, well, how about coming back and saying, Dad, we're finished with that. What else do you have? And we thought, um, well, because you didn't tell us to do that. <laughs> you didn't ask us to come back and report. You just said, do this, and we did it. And we thought we did good. Boy, was he upset. Why was he upset? Because he had about five more things he wanted us to do. Obviously, he was overwhelmed with tasks on a Saturday, like dads are sometimes. And he wanted us to do more than just what he asked us in that moment. What he really wanted us to do was come back and say, okay, hey, we did that. You got anything else? You need help with anything? Is there anything else we can do? And our hearts were there. We would have loved to do that, but our minds were somewhere else. We didn't think to do that. So we were not on the same planet he was on as far as task mastering and getting things done and all of that. But we were, we were uh, winning world wars and all that in our minds, and we were planning our own activities. And we quickly found out that it was not enough to do just what we were tasked with and just the required things. Hey, what does God say about that? I, I heard what Dad said about it, but what does the Bible say? Turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, I know because when you, when you have a curious mind, you want to know, what does the Bible say? Look at verse 10. When Jesus gave this story, <clears throat> in verse 10 he said, So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, if you're like me, that, that, that's, that verse right there stops you in your tracks. That, that verse makes you stop and think because, boy, when you've served God and you've done your duty, you think, man, that's great. But Jesus said, you're an unprofitable servant. I got to thinking about that word, profitable unprofitable what is profit well if you understand basic business concepts you understand for every good that you sell there is a cost and when you sell that good you have to replace the cost but if you sell it for more than the cost the extra is profit the extra or, or the profit, that's why we're in the business of selling the goods. If we only sold the good and got back the cost and replaced the item, we wouldn't continue doing it. We, we do it for the extra. The extra is what makes us happy. The extra is what makes us successful. The extra is what makes progress. 
And what Jesus was saying, as servants of the Lord, you and I, we don't need to dwell in the area of cost of goods. We need to live in the extra. We need to, we need to live in the area of profit. Hey, I wonder, do we bring any profit, any extra to the kingdom of God because of what we do for Jesus Christ? Or are we just unprofitable servants because we do just the minimum? We only do what is required and then we stop. It's done. Really? Hey, I know my dad years ago on a Saturday morning was not happy with that. And he felt the same way. If he'd have known that Bible verse, he probably would have quoted it to us. Unprofitable servants. I'm sure that's what he felt like calling us. Have you ever been there? I'm afraid sometimes you and I, when we come to worship, we lift up our hands, we're praising Jesus. But I wonder, is he looking down at us saying, unprofitable servants? Because you only do that which is required. Where's the extra? Jesus taught his disciples to go not the first mile, but the second. Go the extra mile. Live in the realm of the extra. That's where the prophet is. It amazes me as Christians that we think we're profitable servants to God without ever getting here in the second mile. We think we're profitable because we just did the required things. Hey, I'm in church. I showed up. Hey, God, I'm here. So what? Do we really think just doing that We've profited the kingdom of God some way. God's impressed because we just showed up. We have so much to learn in the Christian life. And Jesus was teaching his disciples. He wants us to be second milers, profitable servants, dwelling in the realm where the extra is earned. So what are we doing that creates extra, that builds and generates profit? How far do we go beyond the required things? It always amazes me. People that are striving to do good and striving for God and people that are trying to read the Bible and live the Christian life and they're trying to build some expectations and set some standards and goals for themselves. It amazes me how others ridicule all that and call it legalism and all this kind of stuff and poke fun at those that are really trying to set the bar high and go the second mile for Jesus. And those who claim to be more spiritual... Above all of the standards and all of those things, above that, rarely ever function past the required things. Now, you would think somebody who's ringing that bell would be way off over here, maybe even past the second mile, right? People who, oh, 
I don't need a Bible reading schedule. I don't need to have standards. I don't, I don't, I don't fuss about tithing. Really? Either that's because you're not doing that stuff or because you're so far beyond it. You're way over here in the realm of extra that the required things have faded in the distance. Now I wonder which cat, which, where, where, where are you? If you're honest this morning, you'd have to say we're, we're probably closer to just doing the required things. Because that's where most of us live. And that's why Jesus was striving to teach this principle to his disciples. Go the second mile. We don't make a difference when we do the first mile. Because that's what's expected. And when we do the required things, the world's not impressed with that because that's what they expect a Christian to do. They're not impressed because they're thinking in their mind, every Christian ought to be doing that. It's when we go beyond what's required that we start to get a raised eyebrow. Antennas start to go up. People begin to notice, hey, look at that. Because it exceeds expectation. Because we're doing things that everybody knows we don't have to do. But we do it willingly. We do it freely. We do it eagerly. Because we're doing it for Jesus. And it makes us happy to live in the extra side. In the second mile. Because we know who we're doing it for. It's not for Rome. It's not for the soldiers. It's not for those taskmasters who cracked the whip over our back. It's not even for those who are looking on, wondering how far we'll take that. We're doing it for Jesus. And when we're carrying the burden for him, hey, you know, we're not even counting the miles. Two, three, I don't know, I lost track somewhere. And I'm just going on for Jesus. Hey, those are the Christians who are really thriving. Those are the happy ones. The ones who've lost count of the miles. They might be on mile number six. They don't know. They just know they've been carrying it a while. But they're glad to carry it for him. Going the second mile could be defined as doing more than what is required Someone once said, a man can do more work than he thinks he can do, but he usually just does less than he thinks he does. Mm, Let that sink in. Here someone else said, if there's one thing which pierces the heart of our Savior with unutterable grief, it is not the iniquity of the world but it is the indifference of the church. My, how we need some second milers. Going the second mile may be defined as doing more than what is required, but it also may be defined as doing what is required. How about this? Before we're asked, without being prompted, with no one having to make us. 
doing what is required, what we already know we're supposed to be doing without being prodded. Should we have to be asked to do everything? You know, I I think there are some things that Christians ought to do just because we know we should. And nobody should have to ask us. Would you please, would you please come to church? Really? Oh, would you please, oh, would you please read your Bible? (laughs) Really? Hey, if you're a Christian, you already know you're supposed to be doing that. You know you should do that. Hey, would you please think real careful now? Before you make life choices, could you, could you just try to consider Jesus? <laughs> hey, we say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a believer. Then, then we should act like it. Right? Hey, even the world knows that. Boy, we get caught up in splitting hairs, theological hairs, you know, about this and that. And what does this verse mean? And let me look up the Greek on that. Look. Man, just go ask a lost person, okay? Hey, you think a Christian ought to do this? They'll give you some scriptural clarity in a hurry. You know, they don't even have to pray about it. They don't even have to consult the Greek. They'll just tell you. You think a Christian ought to do this? It's pretty clear. Then why do we have brain fog over it? Because there's things that you and I stop to consider that we really should just be doing. And there's things that we stop to consider that we should just be not doing for Jesus' sake. Because everybody knows that believers ought to be doing the required things. So why do we have to be asked to pray for somebody? Why do we have to be asked to go witness? Why do we have to be asked to read our Bible? To come to church? Oh, God help us. These are things we already know. How about doing the required things before we're ever asked, without ever being prodded? Nobody has to tell us. We're like the teenager who finally grew up. Man, wouldn't it be excited if your teenager just got up, cleaned the room, and you didn't have to ask them? Whoa. Talk about something that would shock every parent. Teenagers just get up in spotless clean. I'm not talking about kick it under the bed and throw it in the closet. No, no, no. I'm talking about really, really clean your room. Really clean it. Parents are holding their breath right now. (laughs) Hey, that'd be real, wouldn't it? But you know, that's how we should be as Christians with with godly things. Look, do do we have to wait for God to convict us? Do we have to wait for the Holy Spirit to smite our heart and soul Do we have to wait until we weep bitter tears that we should have done this and we should have done that? We should just do what we know to do without being prodded. That's going the second mile, I believe. That's in the realm of the extra. That's that's putting it where it belongs. As we learn God's word and what is commanded, what is expected of us, we should begin doing those things without being prodded or asked. If we knew God's word teaches us to do each one of these, wouldn't it be right for us to just do it? If God has given us an ability 
and you're a saved person, should you have to be asked to use that ability for him? It's a no-brainer. I think a lost person could answer these questions without even a hesitation. I told you of some people who went the second mile a moment ago. Can I add one to the list? There's a man by the name of Zacchaeus who illustrated this principle to us very well because on the day he met Jesus, Zacchaeus promptly said, if I've taken anything by false accusation from anyone, he said, I will restore to them fourfold. Where did that come from? Well, the law in those days required that repayment because the law made a provision for restitution in God's word. Now, our law is without that, sad to say. American law would do well if we had some kind of restitution built into it, but we don't. Victims are just left without. Justice may come in the punishment of the evildoer, but there's never restoration given. It's unfortunate. What's really impressive about Zacchaeus, though, is he knew the law and he offered that restitution principle. He said, I will pay back fourfold. And Jesus never asked him to do that. Jesus never accused him of taking anything falsely. He never said, you need to get this, this matter right with others. He never asked. But Zacchaeus declared it because he knew that's what was required. And he just did it without ever being asked to do so. And how about us today? What, what do we do willingly, freely for God? Things that we know we should without ever being prompted or ever being asked. And we step up to the plate because we want to serve the Lord that way. Going the second mile could be defined as doing more than what is required. It could be defined as doing what is required before or without ever being asked. But it could also be defined as doing better than what is required. Doing more than what is required, doing better, isn't that the same thing? Not necessarily. Quantity and quality are separate issues. The Bible says in Colossians, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Because of that, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, it is a sin to do less than your best. But I wonder how many of us on a daily basis, we do good enough. We just pronounce it, you know, that'll do. For who? Hey, if you're a Christian, guess what? Your boss is Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, it says, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. You know, in our life, in our work, we're not supposed to be doing enough to please men. We're supposed to please the Lord. When you do something, you should do it in such a way that Jesus is going to come by and inspect it. Hey, if it's good enough for him, I guarantee it'll be good enough for any earthly supervisor you answer to. 
do we do that? Do we do better than what is required? Or do we live in the land of good enough? Here is where going beyond the call of duty fits in. The mileage on those tires begin to take a toll right here in this second mile stuff. Because doing better than what's required, this is a little challenge. This is where it gets, hey, this will make you roll up your sleeves right here. This will make you eat your Wheaties right here. Do better than what's required. Go beyond expectation. Hey, somebody said this. Great churches are not built on spare time and pocket change. It's true, isn't it? You know, there's a time when we need to do better than what's required. There was a time when the disciples were trying to cast out demons and they couldn't. Jesus came and cast the demon out. And later the disciples came and said, hey, how come we couldn't do that? And Jesus said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. What was he saying? He was saying, hey guys, there's a time when you got to step up. There's a time when you got to do better than what's required. There's a time when you got to do a little bit more. You got to put more effort into it. The quality's got to be higher. The ingredients have to be rich if you want to get this done. Doing better than what's required is going the second mile also. If you work for your employer the same way you serve Jesus, I wonder how long would you have a job? It'll tell us It'll tell us if our worship is really where it ought to be. It'll tell us if our, if our Christian living is what it ought to be. If we analyze our spiritual life the way we analyze our career and our production and performance at work, would we still have a job as a Christian? Man, it's a good way to look at it, isn't it? Just to know just to know if we're kind of where we should be. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And I quoted that verse a moment ago. Now you know the reference. This principle is in the Scriptures because God wants us to do our best at what we do. He wants us to do everything we do, not for others, but for Him. You know, we're trying to please the Lord, aren't we? Most of us, I think, would agree that one day when we stand before God in heaven, we want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, then we got to rewind and, and we got to do well if we want to hear well done. So is the quality of your work enough to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant? That is something that we need to be very present about in our mindset each day. Let's put in the work so that we can hear the well done in the future. That saying, well done, and whether or not we please the Lord, you know, that's not going to be determined by how Jesus feels on the day we meet. That's going to be determined by what we do right now, by what we do today and tomorrow and the next day. You are going to determine what he says on Judgment Day. I get to determine that by the investment we make 
by the effort we put in right now. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thought? You have some control over that. And it's up to you. How invested do you want to be in the Christian life? Many churches endure a meager existence, and I'm afraid it's because often Christians are content to do just enough. We don't do just enough at work. We do just enough in our Christian life, and I'm afraid we do just enough at church sometimes. We do just enough for Jesus. There ought to be a hymn, Just Enough for Jesus. You know, hey, we're all guilty. We'd have to sing it, right? But this message today calls us out of that, and it calls us into the second mile, the realm of the extra, where you and I can leave all that behind and we can do well for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to go the second mile in our obedience to God's word. We need to go the second mile in our attitude towards spiritual things. We need to go the second mile in our effort to live a godly life. We need to go the second mile in our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to go the second mile in our commitment to the work of the Lord. Are we involved in the work of the Lord? Do we support it? And do we come to the aid of those who are doing it? We should consider all of that. We need to go the second mile in our desire to have a Christian home and a Christian family and raise our children for the Lord. Going the second mile is doing more than what is required. It's doing what is required before or maybe without ever having to be asked or prodded. And it's doing better than what's required. How about it today? Where are you at? Are you still on the first mile? Or are you working on the second? You know, I really pray that we wouldn't stay in either one of these. But my prayer today is that not only would we desire to get in the realm of the second, but as time goes by, we would even go beyond that. I think that's what Jesus really intended when he taught this principle. Not that he wanted us to live in the second mile. He wanted us to have the mindset of going further, going beyond. The Bible says when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, before the time of his crucifixion, he went to pray with his disciples. And the Bible says when he got there, he asked them, pray with me. And then it says of Jesus that he went a little further. You know, Jesus went to Calvary. He went further for you than anyone else has gone. He did more for you than anyone else has ever done. That's because he loves you more. And John said we love him because he first loved us. If he loved us more than anyone's ever loved us, should we not love him more than we love anyone else? And shouldn't we have the mindset that we want to go a little further, a little further for God, a little further? Just let me go a little further. And one day, then, when we meet, I'll not have counted the miles, but I'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hey, that's how you get there. Let's bow our heads. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for this great teaching on the principle of the second mile. And Lord, I'm sure many of us have We've acquainted the second mile. 
at different times in our life. And because of that, we know the joy of serving Jesus in the realm of the extra. We know the blessings that come there. And, and we've been blessed by those as well. And because of our experience that way, and because of the teaching of your word, today we, we can put them together. And in our hearts, we know it's true. And today we hear the call of Jesus calling all of us to the second mile, to the mindset of going beyond and doing better. And Lord, I pray today we would answer the call and say, yes, Lord, I will be a second mile Christian. And maybe even surpassing that one day, I will, I will take on the mindset of going a little further, of, of doing a little more, of giving my best. Lord, I pray that's our desire. Lord, you lead us, you work in our hearts, you show us what you'd have us do. Lord, reveal the next step that we ought to take because we serve you gladly. In Jesus' name we ask.